Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find with me 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I'm going to read a card as you find that. During times like this, we realize how much our friends and relatives really mean to us. Your expression of sympathy will always be remembered. Thank you so much for the beautiful basket of fresh flowers, the cards, and most of all, your thoughts and prayers. You people are amazing. God bless you always in Christian love. And that's from the Dr. Aubert Rose Jr. family. And that would be Ann Johnson's father as his passing. And so, as always, continue to pray and love one another. Today I want to talk to you about being faithful even when it's hard. Being faithful even when it's hard. Most of us could admit that our Christian life is fairly manageable when things are going well, right? When everyone likes us, when everyone speaks kind to us, when our marriage is the way it should be, when our finances are good. It's kind of manageable that that, that things can go the way that they should. But when things fall apart, right? When the people who are supposed to be there for you aren't, right? When things aren't good at work, when things aren't good at home, when things don't go the way that you and I think they should. Maybe there's sin in my life. Maybe there's things that I have um, know shouldn't be there in my life. And in those moments, that's where being faithful is challenging. And today what you're probably saying is not me. My life is exactly the way I want it to be. I don't have any trouble being faithful. What I want you to know is today that your problem is not faithfulness, it's honesty. And so uh, all of us go through difficulties. All of us will have problems. And before you get high and mighty today, I said this in the first service, and I'm not sure how well it went over, but I said, you know, we always think that everybody else is the burden. But you do realize that sometimes you are other people's burdens, right? Right? Sometimes you are the problem in a situation. Sometimes you are the one that is keeping up your mother or your grandmother or your Christian aunt in prayer for your backslidden and heathen ways. And so today it's easy to think everybody else is just making my life so hard. If it wasn't for dumb people, I would have no trouble. I want you to look up here today. Dumb people are everywhere, right? It don't matter if it's church, Walmart, ball games. People do dumb things. And whether or not you're willing to recognize that today, you do too. And so today I really want to challenge you to remember this one thing. Being faithful does not depend on anybody else but God working through you. You say, Jake, I'd be faithful if she'd listen better at home. Or I'd be faithful if he'd actually be the man that God wants him to be. Or I'd be faithful if the sermons were better. I'd be faithful if my Sunday school teacher wasn't so boring. I'd be faithful at work if my boss wasn't so dumb. Those statements all might be true. But none of them will help you be who God wants you to be. And so today if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's word. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 to understand the context, and then we're going to jump right in. Starting in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, 
for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so very, very much for who you are. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, this morning that you would speak, not me. Lord, that you would work in the hearts and lives of these people today. Lord, to change them, to make them who you want them to be. Lord, I pray that your spirit would convict and draw and work today for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. Lord, if there's anything in my heart and life that would hinder what you are trying to do in this place today, Lord, that you would forgive me. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd give me boldness to say the things that I should, and Lord, that you would close my mouth to the things that I shouldn't. And Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you've heard the setting of this text today, you know that Samuel is still mourning. He's not mourning over a physical death. We're not talking about that kind of mourning. But he is still so heartbroken because of Saul. Because Saul betrayed him. Saul failed God. Saul lied to him. Saul made a mess of everything. And Samuel is still broken over what has happened to him by someone else. And friends, today I, I don't think it is an accident because today you need to understand something, whether it was your father or you as a father, whether it's someone that was a father figure to you, someone that helped raise you in your life, maybe it was someone that wasn't there that should have been there. And so many times we ask ourselves and say, I could have been someone different if that had been done differently. I could have been the man God wanted me to be if my father would have been the man that God wants me to be. And friends, you can use that excuse for a while. You can use that excuse your whole life. But at some point, you have to listen to God when He says, how long are you going to mourn? How long are you going to hold that grudge? How long are you going to be angry? How long are you going to be unforgiving? How long are you going to let what other people have done continue to control your life? Because that's what Saul had done to Samuel. And Samuel was mourning. And so God says, how long? And last week, the sermon, we looked at that about what defines you. And we talked about the fact that it's God that defines you. But we looked at how you can't let your past defeats control you. And you have to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And we looked that fear cannot keep you from being who God wants you to be. And we looked at those things last week. And so today I want to continue to challenge you and you as an individual. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but I think we're guilty when we read the Bible. We'll go read along there and it'll start talking about something. Or, and we'll be like, oh, I know someone that that verse fits. Oh, yeah. Talking about them kind of people. I know a few of those. When the Word of God should be changing you and I. It should be changing who I am. That God should be convicting me of who I am supposed to become. And so if you're taking notes this morning, and I really hope that you do, I want to show you three things this morning about being faithful even when it's hard. And the first one is this. God wants us to be obedient even when we have fears and doubts. God wants us 
to be obedient even when we have fears and doubts. Look here in verses 4 and 5. Starting in verse 4, So Samuel did what the Lord said. I want to stop right there. Those seven words, I believe, changed this whole situation. He could have said, Lord, I'm not getting my oil. I'm not getting my horn. I'm not doing it. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to mourn. I'm going to, I'm going to stew. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to get angry about it. But he didn't. So Samuel did what the Lord said. Seven words that you can apply to your life instead of Samuel. So Jacob did what the Lord said. Whatever your name is, I want you to think about that. And is that the answer that you give God? Is it? Or is it today, well, I would have, I should have, I could have, I needed to. No, you have to understand that there comes a point in your life when God understands your situation. God understands your excuses. God understands your hurt. God understands your pain. God understands other people's failure. But at some point, you have to be willing to say, so Jacob did what the Lord told me. Now, your name's not Jacob, and maybe it is. I don't know if there's any other Jacobs, however many wonderfully blessed people there are with that great name, but uh, it means deceiver if you weren't aware of that in the Bible. So thanks a lot, mom and dad. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was probably named after, I don't know who, I don't know, Jake the Snake from Wrestlers or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, you know, it's something cool, I'm sure. But so Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctified yourself and come with me to sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Not only was Samuel afraid, he was afraid of losing his life. He comes to this town that God told him to come to, and they're afraid. And you say, well, why would a city be afraid of one man? There's two reasons, I believe. One, everyone knew that Samuel was God's mouthpiece. When Samuel spoke, he spoke for God. And everyone was aware that Saul had messed up royally. And if Saul is mad at Samuel, and Samuel comes to your town, there might be a consequence. You see, in this day and age, Saul was the king. And in a kingdom with a king, guess who is the only authority that matters? The king. And so here is a man who has told Saul he's not going to be king anymore. The kingdom is going to be ripped from you. And he's coming to our town. But two, they probably understood something. That the last time God was looking for a king, guess who he sent to find him? Samuel. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you have a king and someone is looking to make another king, that calls this word into play, treason. And treason is punishable by death. And so they're afraid, what's God doing? What's Samuel doing? What's Saul going to do? And so I want you to know that fear will affect you as an individual it can affect you as a family. It can affect you as a church. It can affect us as a nation. And what God says is you have to be obedient no matter what your fears and doubts are. I want to give you a verse from Psalm 23. 
Starting in Psalm 23, the Bible says these words in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you see why it says that he will not fear? It doesn't say I don't fear because I'm amazing. He doesn't say I fear because I'm the most talented. He doesn't say, I don't fear because I've got the best ideas. He says, I don't fear because God is with me. And friends, what fear is, is when you don't trust God to fulfill His promises. You say, Jake, I'm worried about dying. Friends, today if you're here and you're not a Christian, you ought to be worried about dying. It should bother you. But friends, if you're here today and you are saved, born again, a part of the family of God, you know it. There is nothing about death that should cause fear in your life. Why? Because I trust God, and you should too. God promised that he was where I'm going to be. God promised that he was going to prepare a place for me. And God promised that the moment I take my last breath here, absent from the body, is present with the Lord. I trust God, just like I trust God to keep me saved. I trust God to provide my every need. Now, is there days when I question and wonder? Absolutely. But friends, the more I rely on Jesus, the more I love Him, the more I know Him, the more I spend time with Him, the more I trust Him, the more fear should shrink. Why is it that a child is afraid of the dark? They don't know what's out there. Right? Almost every child is afraid of the dark. They don't know. And friends, almost every one of you today as a Christian, and myself included, when fear overtakes your spiritual walk, when fear overtakes your financial situation, when fear overtakes your emotions and relationships, it's because you have forgotten and you are not knowing who is with you. God promised to be with you. And so God wants us to be obedient even when we have fears and doubts. Second thing I want to show you about being faithful even when it's hard, is that God wants us to trust His wisdom and not earthly wisdom. God wants us to trust His wisdom, not earthly wisdom. Look here in verse 6. So it was when they came and he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Samuel says, This has got to be the king. This has got to be who God wants. He looks like a king, smells like a king, dresses like a king. This is the one. And friends, how many times are you and I guilty of that? How many times are we guilty of watching the, the perfect family come into church? They got two and a half kids, right? That's the average, and that's kind of awkward. But anyway, um, but uh, you know, they got four or five kids or two kids or three kids. They come in in a suit and tie, and, and we know them. They're upstanding citizens. We're like, oh, praise the Lord. God sent us another one wonderful family, and we rejoice. But, but the Lord sends us someone that's not bathed in three weeks and looks like they've lived in a gutter and maybe had a sketch or sketchy past and maybe been a mess and everybody knows it in town and we're kind of like I'm watching you security's watching you right we judge by the appearance 
And friends, people do it all the time. I'm going to church because the music's good. I'm going to some other church because the music's bad. I'm going to go to church because the preaching's short or long. Or I'm going to go out there because the building's beautiful. Or all kinds of things. We do that for our kids. Oh boy, I hope they marry someone like that one day. Financially wealthy from a good family. Don't love Jesus, but that doesn't matter. That's how we think. Oh, I'd love that job or that life or their marriage or their house or their car. I'd love the life they're living. Why? Because we look at things from an earthly wisdom. But friends, if you're going to be faithful when things get hard, you have to understand that God's wisdom and earthly wisdom are not the same. And most Christians would do well this morning if I could give you a piece of advice. Quit getting advice from people who don't love Jesus. Quit getting marital advice from people that don't love Jesus. Quit getting financial advice from people that don't love Jesus. Quit trying to get advice on how to raise godly children from people that don't know Jesus. That's why I love and hate being a Baptist at the same time. I love Baptists because we all have a vote. We all have a voice. I hate the fact that most people don't pray before they come and vote. They just come and do what they think's best. You see, we've got to hear from God. You've got to hear from God in your marriage. You've got to hear from God as a parent. And what you need to know and I need to know is that God says His wisdom doesn't always look like the things that the earth says. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You have to come to a point in your life when you say, it doesn't matter what this world says, what God says matters. And I think that's very fitting for Father's Day. We're living in a day and age when the world has told fathers that they are not to be the definition of what God's Word says. You're not to be protector. You're not to be the provider. You're not to, to be manly. You're not to be the spiritual head of your home. You're not supposed to lead by example. All those things the world says are outdated and old-fashioned. They don't work. And what you need to remember and I need to remember is even in the church, we have lost biblical fatherhood so much that we don't even recognize it in the church usually. And so, men, I'm challenging you today to open God's Word, find what the Bible says to you, and quit letting Satan devour your family and your marriage and all the things that God has said belong to you. And so it's time to stand up and say, God's word said, this is what my home's supposed to look like. This is what my marriage is supposed to look like. This is what God has said to me. I believe it and I'm going to live it. See, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. I'm right and you know it. Third thing I want to show you this morning is this. We've looked at how God wants us to be obedient even when we have fears. We've looked about how God wants us to trust His wisdom, not earthly wisdom. And the third is this. God has a plan and will provide. God has a plan and will provide. Listen to what it says here in verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance of the Lord, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want you to hear that today. And I think this is very important. All of McLeansboro might remember who you were. 
the failures that you've had, the mistakes that you've made. The people you go to church with might always remember how you behaved or did this or did that. But God looks at the heart. And when God forgives you, when you are truly saved, born again, washed by the blood of Jesus, God forgives you and forgets. And friends, all of McLeansboro might think things about you. All of Hamilton County might think things about you. All of Southern Illinois might think things about you. But if God knows who you are and that you are His, friends, you need to start believing Him and what He says about you. Because it goes on here and says, So Jesse called Abinad and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him here. For we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. I want to show you two things and then I'll close. God has a plan and God provides. Did you hear there in verse 7 what God explains to him? But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Some of you are going, yeah, see, I knew I was right. Look up here. What does the Bible say about your heart? It is deceitfully wicked, and only God can know it. And so before you and I get too high and mighty thinking, I'm the only one right at church. I'm the only one right in our marriage. I'm the only one godly at work. Before you start that, I want you to know how God looks at a heart. How God looks at your heart is how you respond to Him. Friends, today if you're here and when you fall into sin and the conviction of the Holy Spirit deals with you and you come to God and say, Lord, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't deserve your mercy. God sees it and knows why you're doing what you're doing. You say, well, Jake, I've got my, I've even got my hanky in today, right? I look pretty sharp up here. I got my beard coming back. All my chins are starting to be hit again. You know, starting to look like I'm supposed to be. I got my car all cleaned up, my shoes shine, came to church, really, really looking, dressed to impress. But God knows the heart. And friends, you can stroll into that Sunday school class every week. You can teach every Wednesday night. You, you can have everybody fooled. But friends, God sees your heart. And the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so when God says he sees what is in a man, he is talking about how that man is going to respond to him. And so friends, that's my question today. When the word of God is preached, are you going to say, Lord, I know what you want for my life. And Lord, 
I'm willing to go that direction. Father, I know that I have sinned. Forgive me. There's another part of that I want you to see. That not only does God have a plan, but God provides. There in that verse, starting in verse 13. It's one of my favorite in the Old Testament. Excuse me. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. If you read the Old Testament, you will see that phrase from time to time. The Spirit of the Lord came upon someone. And what would happen in the Old Testament is the Spirit of God would come upon someone when they had been asked to do something for God. And that's an amazing thing to think about. How the Spirit of God would empower them and equip them to do what God has wanted them to do. But friends, I want you to hear this today because I believe it is a game changer in your walk with Jesus. That they did not have the same privilege you do and I do. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross, was buried and rose again, and the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, and we have a high priest now that we can approach, something happened for the New Testament Christian on the day of Pentecost. When you get saved, the Spirit of God doesn't just come upon you. God doesn't just hover above you. He doesn't just surround you. The Bible says that He comes and lives within you, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He seals you, He sanctifies you, He leads you, He guides you, He encourages you. God indwells you. And it's something that you and I have got to remember because it's not something that we, can, we can't kick Him out. He's not one that we can say, Lord, you've changed me, saved me, forgave me, now I don't want you. That's not how it works. When God takes residence within you, I want to show you how it is permanent. In John 14, starting in verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, what? I'm I'm deaf in one ear, so I couldn't hear you. I don't know if you know what forever means, but forever means forever. And so he pours out the Spirit of God and our relationship has changed from what it was to what it is now. God's not going to just bless you because he needs something from you and then take it away. No, when God saved you and sealed you and secured you and brought you into his family, it doesn't matter if you fail him. It doesn't matter if you make a mess of things. It don't matter if you think you have no value. It doesn't doesn't matter what the world says about you. God says, you're mine. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for your life. And that depends on the Holy Spirit. And he is there for... Ever. Friends, that should cause you great hope when your life falls apart. The Bible says in verse 17, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And so today, not only does God seal you, not only does God encourage you, not only does God provide for you, God will teach you what you need. Now, this is how many people read their Bible. They just they take it, they open it, they point their finger, and it says something like, But he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. I knew that Bible was talking about my husband. 
That's how many people read it. Or maybe they'll just flip it open and try to find a, a, a verse that says, here you go. You are multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you have told their fathers and go in and possess. See, we're supposed to have eight more kids. Lord, I hope that's not how you're supposed to read your Bible. I mean, I'll have more, the Lord tells us, but oh, I'm praying that he does it. Woo! But that's how most people say, well, I just don't, that's, that's God's will for my life. Or, oh, I tell you what, I'll just, I'll just flip over here. Here it is. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch, which he made. See, I knew I should have got rid of my spouse, right? Dig a ditch, throw him in it, move on with life. That's not how the Spirit of God works. The Spirit of God will lead you to the Scriptures, to study, to know God, to understand God, to know how He loves you and cares for you. But friends, there will come times in your life when God will lead you and guide you and direct you in specific areas that the Bible doesn't speak to. I made that statement earlier about having more kids. And for years, I always joked about how the fact that I wanted nine kids. I wanted nine kids. I, you know, don't claim it sometimes. But, uh, and so we were blessed to have six children. And we had, uh, I believe it was four miscarriages. And so we have ten. And I, I, my wife and I have talked about this, that we're done. You know, we are done. We are done. We are done, done, done. But we've not prayed about it. Let's just be clear. And so the Lord could come along here and say five years and say, hey, we want you to have two more. And I would say, Lord, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? But maybe he says you need to adopt. It's a biblical concept. And my question to you is, in those moments, that's where you have to trust that the Spirit of God who lives within you, the Spirit of God who guides you, the Spirit of God who directs you, leads you in that direction. He might say no more. Right? If you're praying and want to pray and agree with me, that's how you can pray. Okay? But, but maybe God said two's enough. Maybe God says that place that you're working at is where God wants you to be. But maybe then you start feeling a leadership in a different direction that you're supposed to do something else. As a pastor, I never go around telling people what I think God wants for them if the Bible doesn't say it. I'm not going to walk up to you and say, I think you ought to be a missionary, Larry McEwen. God's told me you ought to be a missionary. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to walk up to, 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 to someone and say, well, I think God's calling you to this. or calling you. Because why? Because if it doesn't come true, I'm a false prophet, and that means I'm not of God. Okay, but if the Bible speaks to it, you need to do it. But God might lead it all in on your heart that I'm gonna, I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to go on a mission trip to Africa. I just know that's what God wants for me. Or maybe God's called you to, I just know, I know that God wants me to sing in the choir, even though I don't want to. Right. Or maybe it's something else. But you have to know God. You have to know that His Spirit lives within me. You have to be spending time with Him. And friends, you have to be trusting that if God has a plan for your life, He will provide. He'll provide what you need. Listen to what John 14 says, starting in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, just like Samuel didn't have a choice in who was going to be king, God already had it picked out. But he also provided David what he needed to be king. 
This week, we were very blessed to see four individuals saved at Vacation Bible School. And I want to tell you kind of how that happened, because I think sometimes we can be very guilty at Vacation Bible School of trying to trick kids into being saved or try to lead them to being saved. And the first two young men that were saved actually left church and came back, okay, because the Lord was dealing with them. Went out the front door and came back. Um, the other two individuals, we gave the gospel presentation and we prayed and I told them that if you would like to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ at some point throughout the day, not right now, come find me. Come find me and I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. And those two individuals got up and came and found me. And I say that because of this, because if God is saving people, they are saved. If God is changing lives, lives are being changed. If God is at work in marriages, marriages can be healed. And we have to get back to believing that God has not put us in situations and left us unable to do what God has asked us to do. And so today, whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling, whatever God is asking of you, God has a way and something that he is going to do to provide what you need. And so today I want to leave you with this. When life gets difficult, when people fail you, when situations overwhelm you, God does not expect you to be the controller of the storm. God never asked you to be the one that calms the seas. God never asked you to be the one that hung the stars in the sky. He asked you to be faithful. To be faithful in difficult moments. And how that is, is he wants you to be obedient, even when your fears and doubts overcome you. God wants you to trust his wisdom, not the wisdom of this earth. And third and finally, God has a plan and will provide. You say, Jake, what does that look like for me today? I'm going to start. Today, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, or if you are not sure that you know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. You say, Jake, I've been baptized. I'm a member of the church. I teach Sunday school. I've taken the Lord's Supper. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. None of those things make you saved. None of them. The only way to be saved is by repenting of your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord, and believing that Jesus Christ died upon the cross, was buried, and rose again. Trusting Him as the Lord and Savior of life. That's the only way. There is no other way. And today if you're here and you have never admitted that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is who He says He is and confessed Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, you are lost. And you are not on your way to heaven. But God loved you so much that He proved it to you by sending Jesus Christ to die upon the cross, to be buried, and to rise again. That for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Today, that's what God wants from you. That's the number one way you can be obedient. By saying, yes, Lord, here I am, a sinner ready to be saved. That's what those four young men did this week. They admitted they were sinners. Believed that Jesus is who he said he is. And did what he said he would do. And confessed him as the Lord and Savior of their life. And the moment that happened, God saved them. And saved them completely. 
The second thing today you can do if you say, Pastor, I am saved. I know I'm saved, but oh, I've got so much in my life. I've got unforgiveness. I've got hurt. I've got baggage. I've got, I've got things that I just won't let go of. Today, God says you can find hope, but it's only through him. Today, if you'll come and say, Lord, I want you to work in my life, he will. But you've got to do it his way. Third and finally, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know I've gotten along with God and been dealing with these issues. I'm ready now to move forward. Then you've got to trust that whatever God asks you, He's going to provide. Whatever God calls you to, He'll make a way. Whatever God wants from you, He will provide what you need to accomplish this. Some of us are so scared to fail that we refuse to trust the plan that God has for our life. But today, whichever one of those categories you fit into, today God wants you to be obedient. God wants you to come to Him because He loves you. And He has proven it over and over again. Trust Him. Pray with me as you stand. Father, we thank You so very, very much for who You are. Lord, I pray today that You have taken the words of Your messenger, Lord, the stutter, the stammer, the confusion, Lord, and You have pushed through it. Lord, and you have spoken to the hearts of these people. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work, Lord, for your glory. Lord, I pray today that you would save people. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to know that this is a place, Lord, that will rejoice with them. Lord, that will celebrate with them like all of heaven does when one sinner is saved. Father, I pray for your children who are living in baggage and living in a mess, God, that today they would say, Lord, I know that you can win and I know that you can bring victory and hope into my life. And Lord, third and finally, those people, Lord, today that are ready, God, they're just waiting for that next thing that you're going to do in their life. Lord, give them the ability to trust you. And Father, whatever the issues are today, Lord, whatever the struggles are, I pray, Lord, that this would be a time that people could get along with you and that you could do great things in their life for your glory. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, Reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.